Yeah. It's going to be, that's the name of my next podcast. Violent Jigglefist. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, I thought it was going to be unnecessary and over the top. <laughs> well, I mean, that'll be in the description. <laughs> that'll, that'll be half the reviews. Three stars. This, unnecessary and over the unnecessary. top. Unnecessary. <laughs> that's what the doctor said when I was born. Unnecessary. Over the top. Hey. <laughs> You know yeah, what else the, the doctor world. said when you were born? What, what? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Pixel It. <laughs> My name is Kevin. With me, as always, is Phil. And today we have a special guest, Evelyn, from the YouTube channel. I am Error. Evelyn, uh, thanks for coming on the pod to discuss yeah. uh, this book. This short Bioshock book. Bioshock Infinite, yeah. Mind and Revolt. I, yeah, Bio- it's a good book. Or no, no I, wait, no. It's a good channel. Sorry, whoops. Uh, it's not even really a book. Um, no, yes. Uh, hi. <laughs> Evelyn's here, and I mean, I think I think we can all say that the book is definitely a thing. A thing. Uh, a thing wh- whatever Somebody wrote opinion. it. Somebody it wrote it. You can buy it for two ninety nine on it's Amazon. It's two ninety nine, thirty pages, yeah. and you'll never get those thirty pages back. No, that, you'll never get that lunch break back. Uh, Maybe you could ask so, Amazon for a refund, though. Yeah, I don't think it would be too. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we could yeah. probably. Yes, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be petty. It was three dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Evelyn, uh, tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel. Um, so okay, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I'm like, oh god, what was my YouTube channel? Well, quick, go to my channel page. <laughs> um, um, so I, I reached a channel called I Am Mirror, and uh, on my channel, I um, I talk about video games for the most part. Um, lots of different kinds of ways of talking about games, but mostly I try to uh, marry the personal with kind of the more academic. I'm getting my PhD in English specifically media studies, specifically games. I'm writing my dissertation right now. So, you know, I'm very enmeshed in like, you know, the more heady theoretical side of things. But I like to try to ground that in the experience of actually playing games and stuff rather than like, I don't know, just going off and like citing a bunch of sources and making myself look smart. Usually I feel like I look kind of dumb in my videos, but that's kind of the point. Um, but so, so I, you know, I think I'm most proud of my giant, I make very big videos uh, sometimes, um, they're like two plus hours long. I think that those are very good. Um, and I, I'd recommend watching the latest one on Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64, the best game ever. That's not what it's proven. The the best game I ever played is the title. The best game I ever played is the title. That's right. Very different. Very different. There is a parenthetical. I want to say I remember an original title was something like the best game I ever played when I was six years old. Yes, which is which I what I say in the introduction and what uh, right. part one is about. It's asking why was it the best game I ever played when I was six. Uh, <laughs> and I somehow spent an hour talking about that, and it's so emotional it can make you cry. <laughs> you know, I could go for a good cry. I need Phil, to, I need to sit down and and, and watch that. Yeah, so I can Phil, so I can feel uh, it. Um, um, do you know who Joe Fielder is? Uh, I. I do know who Joe. Why would you ask? That's such a random and very specific question, Kevin. Why would I ask you, the one who does the author research, to tell me who Joe Field oh, is? Oh, we're doing a podcast. Right. Got it. Got it. Yes. Joe Fielder. Slash Ken Levine. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, this was this was written by Joe Fielder with Ken Levine, which I think to me means probably that Ken Levine gave him an outline or a Bible and said, you know, here's here's all the shit. Uh, and, and you know, don't cross make it this read line. good. Yeah. Yeah. Color inside <laughs> the lines, please. And uh, and and it's a and, and he would be in the perfect position to do that because Joe Fielder is not a traditional writer. Joe Fielder is a narrative designer. Joe Fielder is a writer of video games and has been for um, quite a while. Started in 2004 with Electronic Arts, uh, doing some Medal of Honor games, uh, moved into Irrational Games in 2009, was involved in Bioshock Infinite, and uh, all of the DLC that came with it, Burial Sea and Industrial Revolution. 
and has since moved into uh, other projects like uh, Ghosts of Tsushima, um, Deathloop, uh, Drake Hollow, The Flame and the Flood, which is nuts because uh, uh, I love that game, and is now currently a uh, senior narrative designer for Obsidian, uh, which, is, you know, I'm not a guy who who uh, attaches his, uh, you know, you know, I don't I don't attach to wagons very easily if I'm going to just skewer that metaphor uh, <laughs> simply because, you know, it's it's too many people. It's too many things coming out. You know, I have wistful feelings for Sierra games and stuff like that. But if, too many, too many wagons filled with milkshake ducks. Right. Just, right. Just exactly. Milkshake duck a plenty in those wagons. It, so exactly. Best to avoid. If there was a single game studio, however, that uh, has time after time impressed me and made me feel uh, good down in my gutty what's, I would have to say it's Obsidian. So that's pretty cool. So uh, this is this is one of like two bookish pursuits he's done. And uh, hold on, the other one was not even a. He's 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 done very little in the way of of book books. Yeah, he did. He was one of a writers for a Star Trek graphic novel collection. Uh, okay. So he, this is, this is uh this 30 page short story might be the longest uh, story uh, that he has had, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> longest released. bit of prose that he's written. Prose. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Although, sure. although, as although we're going to find, it's not yeah. written necessarily in prose. Well, and that's just it. As, <laughs> as we are going to find out, it does not, um, it does read mostly like uh, the, the different logs and that kind of thing taken mm-hmm. from uh, Bioshock, the Bioshock franchise in general. So um, he's definitely within his wheelhouse. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yes. Um, this and- feels like, you know, Skyrim, you pick up a book and there happens to be words in it. This right. yeah. this is a lot more closer to that than, you know, yeah. I don't know, Bioshock <laughs> Infinite, the novel. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i think i think we there you we actually did talk about this uh like the uh reading all of the skyrim stories for yeah. uh, an episode of the pod one time. if 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 we if we get to a point where this is like our job job like yeah i could see us doing a long-standing project where we just pick another one of the books from skyrim or morrowind or oblivion or something and just like all right we're reading that one today what are, what, yeah. what, what happens there yeah. Until we've gone through everything that the Elder Scrolls has touched, and, and by that time <laughs> we'll be dead. So you know, we will be good. we will all uh, be in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bioshock Infinite for those of you who are coming into this completely uh, cold, it was the third game in the Bioshock series. It was released in 2013. The uh, the the writer and director of the game is Ken Levine, who is also credited in uh, the in the byline for this book. Uh, and, and it's it's set in the past relative to the other two Bioshock games mm-hmm. um, uh, in a world called Columbia, which floats up in the sky. It has seceded from the Union and. It has placed the founding fathers onto this religious pedestal. Um, it's a interesting game in that there was uh, it. I mean, gameplay wise, it's it's fun. It, I think along the lines of the other Bioshock games, in my personal opinion, I, it mm-hmm. it. It's it handles uh, and we'll find out more in the book. Uh, <laughs> it handles race issues with all the tact of a mallet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's that was kind of the most controversial thing about the game is mm-hmm. that it's it's uh, it's both sides in the uh, in the third act kind of marred what was otherwise uh, a rather touching uh, portrait like a father daughter kind of reunion story that yeah. that should have been the focus uh kind of if the other things weren't so badly mishandled yeah um, it's it's I frustrating mean, because it, it that is this is the first game that made me cry uh, yeah i had i had never wept uh through the storyline of a game and uh and i don't you know i i i i stand by uh why because as you said it's a very touching experience but there are things that are hands- handled in a uh, let's say less than perfect manner <laughs> it's it's a game with 
bites off probably more than you it can chew. And it, yes. it's, um, it's it's so concerned with being big and being bigger than the last Bioshock in in a sense. Um, I mean, literally, it's Bioshock Infinite, right? I mean, right. Sure. What's a what's a bigger synonym for big than infinite? <laughs> it's right there in the name. Um, yeah. That yeah, and sometimes I think yeah, it doesn't quite handle those, but um, it does. It is a you know, it's it's a good game. It's a good story. It's you know, it's well made. Um, mm-hmm. even if yeah. you know, looking back, Ken Levine, not the the most savory character. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, but uh. What can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Ken Levine is basically, if you look up um, centrist in the, in the dictionary, you're, you're getting a picture of Ken Levine. He's, sure. he's kind of a, uh, that kind of uh, shit heel, I would say. <laughs> See, I, uh, I didn't know that. I've, I've, I mean, I guess I could have guessed. Uh, yeah. But I well, mean, it's, it's not it, just centrism, right? There's all that stuff that came out last year about how he ran irrational games and how it was really bad for like the people who yeah. worked under him. And there's, like, oh, oh yeah, wow. like, okay. endless crunch culture and things like that. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to necessarily dive into that today, um, even though his name <laughs> is on the byline. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mr. Fielder so, here. Uh, right. So, uh, let's, let's just jump right into it. So the foreword is written by, Ooh, here's the thing. I don't remember. Yeah. Go for it. I think the context of the book or the, the short story is important. And this was why I was most excited when you told me what we were sure. talking about today. So this yeah, was a pre-release book, right? It came out a month and a half before the game. And it was meant mm-hmm. to like right tease out like ooh, who are some of the characters that you might be interested in in Bioshock Infinite and like you know blah 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 blah. blah. Now, why that intrigued me was because Bioshock Infinite had my favorite pre-release like hype run up of any video game ever because they had these wonderful like '70s style documentary skits or, or not really skits but like little features. That were like about uh, what's the name? It's not Comstock's land. Uh, not called Rapture, right? But uh, Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. Yeah. yeah, about Columbia and like the you know it's like narrated in this like folk faux like PBS style documentary. Oh, that's and, awesome! Like, and there's like all this like like found footage archive like and all this stuff like and who is this bird that protects the you know like one of the bosses of the game you know and it had all it's right. like and so I loved that like I will I would like in 2013 I like rewatched those videos like a bunch I got really excited and then the game was nothing like them which is okay <laughs> but like like i was like oh this is gonna be like a mystery and it'll be like i thought i actually thought up until like a week before because i usually don't i try to avoid trailers and stuff you can see why i get <laughs> um, yeah no i don't blame um, you but um i thought the game would be set in like the 70s and you're going to this place that was built in like the 1890s and that hasn't been touched but that's not you know the actual it's like what 1910s right. i think is the actual setting of the, t- yeah. the time setting of the game. But uh, but I just think that it's very fun. It was fun for me. I went back and I watched all those old videos this morning to get myself in the mindset. It was very <laughs> fun doing that. And then think, like, like approaching this as like another way of like how they're trying to communicate sure. what Bioshock Infinite's about without actually telling you anything about the game, right? Like not telling you about the yeah. main characters, not right. telling you about the main plot or anything, but just kind of like trying to set the stage for... Um, the player. And I think that um, if we view it through that lens, I think that this is actually kind of a successful little story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but no, no I'm I think done. that I'm I, done. I, I think that <laughs> could I think that's actually an important lens to kind of look view it through is the context in which it was released. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Because I think that that can provide us with a different direction on uh, kind of how we're feeling about it. Uh, so the the book starts with a fake forward started. We're in the book. It's not an actual forward. Um, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> threw me too. I was like, I was oh, like, a forward to a short story. I know. <laughs> like, I nearly skipped it because a lot of times I'm like, what a f- I don't care what the fucking author said. And moving on. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, this is the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's written by Dr. Pettifog. And Dr. Pettifog is kind of uh, saying, here's what you're to expect in the following pages. Please don't uh, judge Dr. Pinchot too harshly based on what you see in the following pages. So that kind of sets the which which uh, which I really liked. I really yeah. liked that's it because 
especially by the time you get to the end of it, because of course, you know, for me, naturally, my thought is like, don't judge him too harshly because he's a fucked up, you know, eugenicist style kind of like <laughs> scientist or something like that. And it's like, no, don't judge him too harshly that he treated this black anarchist with with uh, dignity and, and some level of yes. respect. <laughs> yeah. it's like I a- got a kick out of that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. um, so we start out with some some journal entries setting the stage for Dr. Pinchot's motivations. Uh, he wants to do a case study on Daisy Fitzroy. Uh, he has and layered in here is a lot of like the, you know, wording like the Sodom below or, you know, the, these like super judgmental, like uh, tones that are very thematic uh, of the rest of the Columbia people that we kind of run into in the game where it's mm-hmm. like, it's a very they, propagandist kind they, of tone. They believe Columbia is above all. And then they're also uh, racist on top of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've just got a lot going for them. They, they got a lot of, they got a lot of <laughs> it's, yeah, evangelicism. It's, they got racism. Yeah. They got you know a flying who city. Really, <laughs> you know who would really love the the Columbia is is this guy Dr. Jordan Peterson. Oh, he would be goodness. a fan of Columbia hierarchies, you know hierarchies, baby. Fucking lifestyle like infinite. Then you go on Joe Rogan and you start crying about you know, <laughs> and you think oh it's the relationship with Elizabeth that's got him going. He's like they were able to do whatever they wanted to the brown yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. And that monster tried to take it away from them. <laughs> they were in the sky. So in the next journal entry, um, uh, Dr. Pinchot goes to the police department uh, to check on Daisy, Fitz, uh, Daisy Fitzroy um, and finds out that she has is being treated poorly and gives those those officers what for and removes her gag and, and all that stuff. Uh, and and she thanks him, and it kind of like sets the stage a little bit for the the personality of Doctor Pinchot is like, you know, he's a piece of shit eugenicist, but he's not as bad as the other piece of shit right. eugenicist. Yes. Hitler yes, was a, a vegetarian and loved his dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pinchot is like presented as somebody who like who who like isn't just somebody who like uh, pushes this propaganda for their own like. Um, personal gain but rather right. is somebody who's bought in right so like oh, it's a believer. part of true, buying absolutely. yeah true yeah. believer someone who's and because they've bought in they've also bought into like what we might call the good tenets of like the religion that they have right so it's like we can't treat a prisoner like this like this isn't how you how we're supposed to do it and so right. and so that's why he's upset right um because right. it doesn't fit his vision of what columbia is supposed to be right right Right, he's like it you actually, can't treat treat this racial slur like that. We're we're better than we're, we're better, better than, than those racial slurs. It reminds know? me a little bit of uh, when I was I was listening to the Behind the Bastards episode on Christopher Columbus and how they couldn't take they weren't allowed to take slaves if they were Christian. So he was like converting people to Christianity. So he had an excuse not to take them as slaves, but if they refused, then he would have no choice, but to take them as like, well, you know, I gave them the option. I gave them the option. That's Dr. Pinchot is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we get, uh, (laughs) yeah, we get the, um, now we're into, uh, the interview with Dr. Pinchot and Daisy Fitzroy. And he gives a full background of Daisy Fitzroy in this section. You know, she's she's an anarchist. She's murdered or been involved in the planning of murders. She's tried to... And, uh, mixed in amongst all these crimes is like trying to form a union. Yeah. <laughs> right there after murder. <laughs> <laughs> I, How I had dare a you? I know. I had a moment when I was reading this that that I was going through it and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I like, and I read it and I kept reading and I stopped and went, wait. And I like went back and it's like, is it so normalized that like at this point, if if so, if 
if someone on TV right now were to be like, this person's a murderer and a communist and tried to unionize, they'd be like, yeah, that's what you sound like. That's how you talk. It's so normalized that it just <laughs> right over yeah. my head. I was like, this isn't satire anymore. That's just mm-hmm. how people talk. Yeah. <laughs> on on one hand, yeah, the way he describes her is it's like a little over the top, right? He's like using a lot of different phrases, like like it's the name of the new, and like it kind of at first you can kind of view it as like kind of bad writing, like in the sense of like painting it as like you got the authoritarian side on the right, and then you got the other side, which is both the socialist, the pe- like because it's called the People's Voice, right? The, the right. newspaper, but they're also anarchists, but they also want to unionize. You know what I mean? Like it's like all these different layers, like. Of, but then you're thinking, well, this is also from Pinchot's perspective, and that's right. kind of what fascists do. They just lay, yeah. they, you know, there's like whatever the bad thing is, they're all of the thing. All yeah, of that they're thing. all of that. Yeah, they're exactly. 100% of the thing and nothing else. Exactly. Um, exactly. So the uh, there's a there's the manifesto, the people's voice, and the manifesto, the people's voices for the group Vox Populi, which means the people's voice in Latin. So, <laughs> which, which I don't know, which, which, which to me is kind of, a, I don't know. There was something about, and I never thought about it because it's been a long time since I played the game, but naming your, um, you know, lefty group Vox Populi didn't sit right with me because generally the people who use the Vox Populi kind of thing tend to be on the other side of things, but that just might be my yeah. own anecdotal perspective. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Muskie has been using it to every time one of his stupid polls finishes. Right. <laughs> he says uh, something like Vox Populi, Vox Day. Yeah. And it's uh, the voice of the people or the, is the voice of God. And I'd be like, right. shut the fuck up, Elon. Like, yeah, Jesus Christ. We're into this this interview between Dr. Pinchot and Daisy Fitzroy. And there's a little bit of a back and forth where. Pinchot is basically trying to prod her to to uh, talk. He's he's saying, ah, oh, did 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 the lady did Lady Comstock whip you? Subjects refusing to speak. And he's really asking these pointed questions just to try to get a reaction uh, from her. And she does not answer until he says, I merely seek to understand. <laughs> it's like of all the things to break your silence you went with the most innocuous thing like i i can't take it anymore <laughs> Just, okay yeah that's where i'm gonna talk i guess not so, when i'm being provoked like but yeah just an innocuous you know observation yeah. mm-hmm. they have a little bit, bit of a back and forth and uh pincho just drops the the nice nice uh racism right in there mm-hmm I find you quite astute and surprisingly articulate. Can I touch your hair? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if he had said that, that would have been, I would have been like, nope, oh, not going <laughs> to. Too real. Too, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so Daisy Fitzroy is basically like, you're all the same. You know, she's, she's just saying, I don't. I don't care. You're you're one of the you're just one of the people that you're all the same as the other founders. Um, And she also kind of strikes a deal with him where if he provides information about himself to her, she will provide more information to him. Um, And so they continue on with their conversation. um, And uh, she she's uh, like. She's kind of refusing his little she's refusing the scraps that he gives her. She wants something meaty. You know, she wants to really get inside of his head. Um, at one point, there is a uh, a line uh, where I was like, I don't know if you can write that, uh, uh, Joe. I don't know if you should you should have written that in there. Hold on. I'm Do gonna, you know which I'm one gonna, I'm thinking hold of? Hold on. Oh, real quick. I'm going to write it here on my. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to write it here on my notepad. Yeah. And uh, and we're going to and we're going to see. We're going to see. OK. Um. Yeah. Let me let me pull it up. Uh. Let me. Oh, I got to do the search function. Hold on. All right. Uh. Yeah. It happens on page 21. 
uh, during they they've gone through the interviews a few times. Uh, seems to me I just traded one Massa for another. Oh yeah. Yep. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's the word. Joe, you're Joe. Joe and Ken. Come on. Bubba. I'm not Maybe, sure uh, you're the you're the the two white dudes that are allowed to do to I, to Yep. I, <laughs> I, I don't think you're the ones. I don't think you're the chosen ones on this one. And and the issue in part with the way that they try to like invoke the dialect of you know yeah. um, or the vernacular you might say is that it's incredibly inconsistent like yes it would probably be worse if they really like went for it but instead they really like, Jar Jar Binks it up yeah they really yeah. Jar Jar Binks it up but instead it's like once like every couple sentences there'll be like an apostrophe to like you know denote like some colloquial you know, speech yeah. or just throwing out a word like that. Com- like, but like, that's not in a sentence where the character sounds like they're talking from the deep South. It sounds pretty much the same as Dr. Pinchot. Like they, they have very similar voices. That's not a yes. sign of good writing, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. No. I, and I, and I did, I, I thought the same thing and I went ahead and listened to some, uh, I, I found some clips of different uh, of moments in the game where we get recordings of her character, and uh, it's it's also very inconsistent. The patois changes uh, based on the recording, so it I mean, so at least it's consistent in its inconsistency? Question mark. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. As soon as I as soon as I hit that line, I was like, oh, all right. And then right after that, we get the fun. Uh, I think Phil, this was your least favorite part was the uh, word association segment. Oh, I hated this part. <laughs> That's some lazy writing. Like, it, you could, you, you know, like you couldn't. That's two pages. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of word association, some of the most painful, obvious, like metaphoric, like what's father, leech. Uh, you know, <laughs> shit like that. And you're like, okay, that's not, all right, fine. It's, this one, it's, okay. it's a little on the nose. It's a little <laughs> on the nose, let's just say. So yeah. uh, basically, to, to to summarize it, uh, for the people who aren't staring at the book, uh, I'll play Dr. Pinchot. And someone else just play Dr. Pinchot. We, we, <laughs> we can do this whole page. It's a, it, <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on. I'll pull it up. Who wants to be, Who want, you want to be? I'll be Daisy. You'll be Daisy? Hold on, let me pull it up. Go for it. All right, hold on. I gotta, I gotta find it. I should have, I should have been prepared. I should have been prepared, guys. I should have been prepared. All right, hold on. I found it. Afterward, no, this is not that long of a book. It's on page twenty-two. Page twenty-two. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. You start. Okay. Oh wait, sorry. With I didn't. order, yeah. With yeah, 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 yeah. Order. Bedlam. Fire. Cleansing. Employer. Exploiter. Profit. Fraud. Common. Good. Fear. Nothing. Orator. Liar. (laughs) Murder. Justice. Father figure. Leech. (laughs) This is my favorite one for the record. Extermination. Fornication. It's like he's writing lyrics for rent. Uh, (laughs) Faith. Flatulence. <laughs> they both start with F. <laughs> Extermination, fornication. Like, <laughs> that was that was the first ever dramatic reading on Pixel. And thank you, Evelyn, for joining us on that one. That was thank, good. thank you. I'm glad I to think, be part of it. I think that was that was great. And uh yeah, I think uh I think father figure leech and be like, come on, that's two words. That's yeah. <laughs> Doctor, come on. Come on, Doc. It's jeez. It's just it's just such a lazy writing uh uh I don't know if trope is the right word, but exercise, if you will, like to learn about somebody. It's like just let's do let's do their their Myers Briggs score next. Fine. Yeah, well, and then the next thing we're gonna get is is the discussion of the the IQ test. 
Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just I wanted Dr. Pinchot to come out and be like, hey, um, have you ever taken an Enneagram before? <laughs> 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 like, we're all right, gonna... well, we're going to assess you for what color you are uh, <laughs> right, yeah. in work environments. <laughs> I'm, over here. I'm a red. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that explains everything. Come here. We're going to measure your skull. Uh, <sighs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So they get into the IQ test, which. Uh, OK, so let me back up here and say. I had a history teacher in middle school who was like 80 years old <laughs> who literally said that like the speech that Dr. Pinchot gives about gives about like the 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 breakdown of brackets mm-hmm. the like scale. Sa- that's what this history teacher said in Oof. class and he's he's oh. saying like he's like well you know it's 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 not me I'm not saying it and this is how he sounded uh, it's it's the science. This is what the science has told us about intelligence. So, she's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, like well, that, you know, and Jordan Peterson loves this stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> loves. And Jordan Peterson's on the record as saying people with an IQ under eighty cannot do anything. There cannot possibly be a productive member of society. Um, yeah. So. Which no. in this in this uh, framing excludes in the Petersonian level, uh, this would excludes exclude the Irish, uh, Esquimo, uh, Nubians, uh, Malay, Moors, Turks, Persians, most Mongoloids, and some so, you may be surprised to believe white criminals. Well. I think we can all agree on the Irish part. I know, I know we don't, <laughs> we don't say that out loud, but maybe we should. And it's just, you two oh. isn't that good of a band. And we've just got to move on with our lives. <laughs> good old fashioned anti-Irish racism. <laughs> Evelyn, basically, this is an audition for you to replace me when I'm inevitably shouted okay. off this podcast. Uh, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> so the whole thing is he's saying this while looking pale because he's about to deliver her the news that she has scored off the charts. She is she's smarter than Dr. Pinchot. She's smart as a white man. <gasps> Madness. Yeah. And and that's that's his that's his issue. And then uh, she's like, well, maybe you can help us uh, with the upcoming uh, escape because they're going to cut my the whole uh, in the background. There's a threat of lobotomizing yeah. uh, Daisy. So mm-hmm. Daisy's people are going to come and try to get her out. She wants Pinchot to help them. Uh, and. He then begins thinking, maybe I should, because she has a beautiful mind. Yeah, that's where he starts. He's like, but her IQ is so high. That's where his world starts to crumble, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he he believes so much in, in pseudoscience that one tiny brick removed from that, uh, that castle – and his entire worldview fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. if I were to, you know, critique this more on like the level of like, is this a convincing and moving narrative? I think this is where it starts to fall apart for me. Um, yeah. I think I think like you have an interesting conceit here of like the the racist, you know, uh, phrenologist doctor engages with, you know, um, like a what we might call like a black separatist leader or something like that. Um, And that's an interesting like way to frame your kind of little short story. And I think that it's also, you know, it's, it's interesting to even go in that direction of like, you know, this character is going to learn that their worldview is flawed, but the, this short story doesn't really earn a pin show changing his complete world. He turns on a fucking dime. Yeah. Yeah. I got I get the impression that if she had like pointed him towards like the the 
the fun story in a happy meal, he would have come back and been like, Ronald McDonald is the risen Christ. Like <laughs> this guy, this guy was waiting to jump ship. He just needed an excuse. This is pitiful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It all happens off camera, by the way. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's all off camera. All There's like off a, camera. It's a, it, the the long night of the soul for Doctor Pinchot happened between <laughs> journal entries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence um, got his wings somewhere between page twenty seven and twenty eight. Yeah, basically, <laughs> the, it's like the first five minutes of "It's a Beautiful Life," and then like the last five minutes, right. <laughs> It's like like he writes in a journal entry, he's going to kill himself. And then the next thing you see is a journal entry of like, whoa, oh my gosh. The the next day the journal entry says, never mind, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Potter, Um, oh. Uh, (laughs) A lot of Jimmy Stewart impressions tonight. A lot of Jimmy Stewart tonight. I don't know where it's coming. It's 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 the holiday season. It's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. It is. So, but yeah, so it's just like, like, you know, Pinchot changes his mind, you know, about her. And he's like, you know, I can't really help you escape, but I won't also not help you escape. Essentially, you know, I, he helps out a little at the end. He's like, here, take my stuff. But, you know, he does yeah. that. And then we get the twist. Yeah. The, the twist is she, uh, ha- she kills him. Yeah, um, that's the twist. She, and she, she's like, he's no different than any of the other ones. And off away she goes. <laughs> and and here's the trouble. Like, you can tell that this was meant to be framed in kind of like that centrist, like, they're the same, like, kind of thing. But for me, I was just like, oh, she's right. <laughs> I totally was just like. Yeah, she did the right thing. He he turned on a dime. He'd turn on her again. Yes, yeah, just it's you, dude you had, read a happy dude had meal. no foundation. One, yeah, one come to daddy from Comstock, and he's you know he's coming back it's, like a little lap dog. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. she did the right thing. But she you can the right tell thing. they were trying to be like, see, extremism is always bad. Like these are the same. Like yeah, no, no, and, she did the right thing. And and then <laughs> it's smart. mirrored later in the game. It's mirrored with like. Oh, once once the Vox Populi got the guns, whoa! Yeah, yeah. People yeah. are dying. You didn't want that either, did you? And I'm like, that's what, what? revolution is. That's like, yeah, what yeah, revolution just, is. <laughs> it 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 make it makes me uh, think. I was watching a documentary. They, I think the HBO documentary they did on the January sixth, uh, you know, insurrection and everything, and they got to the part where. Um, you know, one of theirs got killed by, you know, one of the security people there and they're all freaking out. And I was just screaming at like the television, like an angry dad being like, you idiots. That's what this is. You fucking panty waste. Just losing my mind. You bunch of sissies. That's revolution. <laughs> losing my mind. Like, yeah. So yeah, this... Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a revolution, if you're gonna do revolution, you gotta have a backbone, and clearly Daisy has that, and she shouldn't be judged for it. No. The other thing I just realized is that this book, uh, short story, has the same kind of uh, narrative thrust as uh, uh, what's it, uh, uh, Ex Machina. Um. You know, what? where he so he falls in love with the so the guy falls okay. in love. Oh, with the yeah, robot. yeah. Ex Machina. I was like thinking like not Deus Deus Ex Machina. Like, oh, no, I was, oh, thinking, yeah, sorry. I was <laughs> sitting here thinking like, oh, the, the the Greek conceit of God coming down. Okay, That's exactly what no, I no, no. <laughs> OK, OK. The, the, the Ex movie, Machina, Ex Machina. The movie about the A.I. robot who the, the okay. robot and he falls in love. And yeah, uh, Ex Machina spoilers. Um, but yeah, it's. <laughs> It's a kind of a similar vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And then the book ends with an afterword um, from Dr. Dr. P. Pettifog, MD, head of cognitive betterment, um, that they learned a lot from Pinchot. Uh, he, Pinchot did not live to see his work truly help free men from sin. So rest weary dreamers, sleep well, for we all better off for your efforts. Do, 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 do. Um, 
yeah, that's that's it. That's the end of the book. That's that's the story. That's the end of the short story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, how how we feeling? Like outside? So, uh, let's uh, let's set aside the context of it for a second as a as a hype piece for uh what what do we feel about that what just happened <laughs> yeah. evelyn you're, you're our guest uh, why don't you why don't you start oh sure uh yeah yeah just uh, let's put the onus on you <laughs> all right so what i would say is that um this is trying to tell a rather simple narrative um in in my estimation right um which is like person gets kidnapped you know they're interviewed interrogated by somebody and the person they're interviewing such interrogating uh ends up kind of converting them or changing their mind about some things which is like not you know not how you think an interrogation or interview should go i think there's you can find other examples of this kind of thing in media you know i think a easy simple example transphobic as it may be silence of the lambs uh clarice and hannibal where like you know it's like as much as you know in their in their interactions as much as she's learning about Hannibal Hannibal's learning about her and like changing how she's viewing these things and thus and that moves the plot forward now this is a condensed version where like there's not that external threats happening or anything like that um but when push comes to shove everything here is you know ham fist is one way to put it everything's just so lightly touched upon like what does Vox Populi actually believe in doesn't matter and what matters is she's a revolutionary. Um, what does Dr. Pinchot believe in? Doesn't really matter um, because he's going to just drop it, right? Even though he seems like so committed to it at the beginning of the narrative. And right. so the the narrative stakes are never firmly planted um, and neither are the theoretical ones. So what's left is this very airy thing that kind of just gives you a brief glimpse at how someone might be radicalized to become a fascist and how maybe you might dispel that worldview. But I, it all rings a little bit hollow because like Phil has been saying, you know, this like this very centrist like pull, gravitational pull. That's kind of like that kind of is pulling both these characters together in a sense or pulling criticisms of them together. And so um, what ends up happening is by the time we get to the end of the story, it's it's just like meaningless. It's like these aren't yeah. real yeah. characters who we can try to relate to. So there's no emotional connection and there isn't real philosophy that's being debated. So there's nothing intellectual to grab onto. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I couldn't agree more. And and I shouldn't have asked you to go first because that was way smarter than anything Kevin and I are going to say. <laughs> uh, I fucked up and I apologize. Uh, I was trying to be polite. And, uh, no, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I, to add on to that, I think that, yeah, there's, you take away so many of the handholds that the story could have things about race, things about, uh, fascism, things about anarchy, any number of things you take away the heavier handholds for something, this kind of, yeah, like you said, light ethereal, um, and all that's left to take from it, as I said before, is that both sides are bad. But she's a bad she. But she did a bad thing, though. You liked her, though. And and but then she did the bad thing. And and don't you feel foolish uh, at the end because <laughs> you supported the dragon lady and she turned into to dragon Hitler at the end. And and uh, it's, <laughs> it's all. It's that, it, it, and 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 it's and Phil it's is still co- really upset about Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> uh, storytellers are the real kings. Fuck you, and uh, no, and it's it's it, but yeah, and so you, all you're left with is this kind of, I don't know. It feels very pat on the back. It feels like mm, mm, yeah. There's don't a, you think that I came up with a good point? Yeah, it's very. It's kind. It's almost no. like pat on the back, but also like finger waggy. Like ah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, oh, hey now. Beware. You thought she was the good guy and she wasn't. So <laughs> in this fictional world that I made up. In this yeah. fictional uh, world that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We and we talked about that in the um 
Bioshock Rapture book that we read, which Evelyn is probably one of the best books we've read on this show. Okay. It really was exceptional as far as um, you know a, a, a video game adaptation can be. Uh, but one of the things that it did, and this is because of the source material, uh, was it would get into you would get the other side isms uh, mm-hmm. and they would bring in stuff from the, uh, the main antagonist in Bioshock two, who was just not as effective and not as interesting because that person doesn't really exist. You know, you're just kind of creating this straw man uh, uh, other guy. And it's like, well, I don't know, like the, a religious fanatic communist isn't really a thing we're all that worried about right now. <laughs> That's mm. not yeah, yeah. Thing. It's like Andrew Ryan was he was like, oh yeah, the 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 uh ANCAP libertarian yeah. businessman. Like, we Randian know thousands objectivist. of them. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> One on Twitter. Taking over our country. Like, yeah. <laughs> we know them. Mm-hmm. But like this religious fanatic communist who I'm not familiar with a with a real easy yeah the the template parallel is missing. yeah that's yeah. not really there and so it doesn't work as a narrative theme of mm-hmm. you know well it all it's like no they, what they are both fighting for are in no way equal mm-hmm. <laughs> in no way equal yeah yeah so yeah I they just get so hung up on on a lot of uh, on that kind of theme and it just doesn't work mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. work yeah i mean yeah. i think one of the things that's kind of strong about the original bioshock in terms of its like kind of narrative construction um or like ideological construction rather is that andrew ryan is you know he's like this hyper libertarian and then i can't remember the name of like the gangster guy you know the one who's like leading you on the whole time oh um, um what's his name mafia uh, bro but mafia yeah. bro he's not like he's you know if if it was after Bioshock Infinite you know what Kyle, uh, Ken Levine would have done he would have made you know the mafia guy be like I'm a authoritarian communist you know what I mean you know what I mean yeah. like right. like the right. opposite side of the you know whatever the political company Frank Fontaine by yeah Frank, oh, Frank Fontaine. Fontaine but no Frank Fontaine is essentially just a different shade of libertarian you know what I mean right. like, um and yeah I think yeah that yeah that makes the story more compelling and interesting because you're actually you're dealing more in the nuances of like, what does it mean to hold these beliefs? Whereas when we right. get to Bioshock Infinite, because they're so far apart, the, the the beliefs of the two sides, and of course there's never two sides in any political disagreement. There's It's always right. multifaceted. Um, sure. But um, by the time we get to Bioshock Infinite, they're painted so broadly, it's hard to find any nuance. And thus the narrative stakes become strained as a result. Yes, Mm. Yes, I, I, I totally, and we even talked about that with uh, Bioshock Rapture. There were some really wonderful moments when Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine are at odds, and Frank Fontaine's kind of having fun with it. He sees it as great sport. Andrew Ryan is furious because he's being beaten at his own game, and it undermines his moral philosophy. And he starts breaking his own rules to right. win because what's most important is it that, and that's fascinating stuff. It made for really compelling narrative, really interesting philosophical discussion. And then, but yeah, and they kind of ruined it by feeling the need to overstep it into a place that there's no parallel for it. It doesn't really work. Uh, Because the difference between Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine and Andrew Ryan was like, well, everything is allowed except for murder and, and like these ideological pamphlets they they they're not allowed in in rapture and frank fontaine is just the next step of everything is allowed like yeah. <laughs> nothing yeah. is forbidden pretty much and that it was like that next step was just enough to under to just undercut uh andrew ryan's philosophy and i thought yeah. that was that was fascinating stuff so yeah i i agree um bioshock is just uh ripe with uh good i wouldn't even say ideas it's almost like the precursor to an idea it's like it's like these nuggets of inspiration are buried all over the bioshock franchises and it's like ah these could have really grown up into something amazing and mind-blowing 
Um, and in some ways, Bioshock, the, the games themselves, the design of the games is is going to be felt, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, narratively, thematically and ideologically, it's just as time passes, it's just like, oh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't totally uh, there, was it? <laughs> right. And, yeah. And, you know, we we can applaud a little bit for maybe the attempt Right. It's, yeah. It's sure. trying to do more than Call of Duty was in 2013. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and for have a, to pay so, respects for a big triple A game that also needs to be action, 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 you know, yeah. pushing the envelope on envelope envelope in one way, shape or the other. Um, you know, for for that context, sure, it's doing some interesting things. But even within the realm of video games, we've got way more nuanced depictions of these things that that Bioshock is trying to do. And so it's not like Bioshock is like the first or something like that. It's just right. the big one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. I mean, like, yeah, it, it's it's kind of like trying to address um, objectivism and greed and the human spirit in an Avengers movie. Uh, you could probably <laughs> you could probably do it, but uh that's a. That's not what those are for, uh, and 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 therefore b. If you get even a little bit into introduction to to philosophy in it, then you've done a good job. <laughs> it's, it's like everyone going like, "Well, the Matrix is just philosophy one hundred and one." It's like, yeah, but it's kind of impressive that they got that much in there. Like that's that's yeah. that's not bad. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, I mean they. It, it it is it, it, the higher I feel like the higher the budget and the uh, the higher the concept of the work, the harder it can be to kind of get into these really nuanced things. Yeah, you ha- you really have to hammer it at the in the at the broadest level. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so that's that's Bioshock uh, Mind and Revolt, or as the this is a book that has two titles. It's Bioshock Infinite Mind and Revolt. And then the, uh, I got to click all the way back to the front page now. There we go. Um, the the action, the book within a book title is The Psychology of Dissent Interviews with the Anarchist Daisy Fitzroy by Dr. Francis Pinchot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. We're we're Shakespearing this. We're doing the play within the play. Yeah. Hell yeah. It sounds like the that sounds like the textbook. I'm sure it was meant to be. Okay. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are centrists. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So we talked about the book. I think it's I think I have an important question. Uh, for the two of you and 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 Evelyn, I'll I'll start with you since you're the guest. Um, what are you playing? What do you mean? <laughs> what are you playing? Games. I'm start doing what, this. what games are you playing? <laughs> um, I okay. Let's see. Um, I haven't played a new game since July. Um, oh. Wow. I you know I mostly play games for videos. Uh, I played Tetris. I, I played Tetris as an obsession, you know, just like I, you know, like I listened to an episode of your guys' podcast today, the eco one while playing pet- Tetris, like, you know, so Tetris, Tetris and Minesweeper. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, wait until, <laughs> you know, when, when does this video go up? Uh, or when the video, out. this podcast. Sorry. This episode, uh, that's going to, this is going to go up like one, the 21st of December. Okay. So it'll be after. So, uh, in the past, as when you're hearing this, but in the future from when we are speaking, I'm actually working on my, my next video. I just recorded it. That's why I was late. I was qu- quickly recording the audio. Uh, it's a short, it's like a 12 minute video, but um, it's a, uh, it's uh what's the, t- the title is a uh, minesweeper is literally causing me health issues. And then the, uh, <laughs> the Oh, I'm the, looking the, forward to this one. The okay, thumbnail yeah. is why can't I quit you? And then it's, you know, <laughs> Dick Dylan Hall backdropped against the Minesweeper <laughs> thing. Um, and it's about how I get severe wrist pain playing Minesweeper all the time. And but I can't quit. I'm too addicted to the game. And so um the, the video ends with a with a link to my public Minesweeper profile and I'm saying this is a tomb now tombstone now I'm never gonna play Minesweeper <laughs> and I mean it I'm never 
gonna play Minesweeper again. I'm like, this is the end of my relationship. Is this video? Uh, okay. And so that's what I'm. That's what I've been doing. I don't know if that's what I've been playing, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I guess what the I've level been playing is like that's what I've been doing, fucker. Like <laughs> ruining my life, <laughs> ruining my life. Oh gosh. Uh, oh, that's that's wonderful, uh, Phil. Uh, what are you playing? Oh, it, nothing. It, it it's been the same. I can't stop playing against the storm. I hate someone. You're to still help playing me. against the storm. I'm still playing against the storm. You, so Phil, once Phil Evelyn, once Phil finds a city builder that Uh-oh. he he likes, it's really lights it's out. It. Game over. That's it. <laughs> well, it's a roguelike city builder. I should. It's check a roguelike. It's so it's so good. It's it, it's not even out of early access, and it's already so tight and so smart. And the world is interesting. Like, oh, here's something that happened. Because you can play, like, so far, I think there are more. But, like, so far, there are, like, four races you've got that you can choose from. you got the humans. You've got beavers, lizards, and harpies. And uh, and the beavers, lizards, and harpies look pretty much like what you'd expect. Like, they're, you know, bipedal <laughs> lizard, you know, bipedal beaver, and and women with, with, with uh, wings. And I was like... <laughs> And I started to realize, I didn't realize who were the humans uh, in the thing. And in the world, it's always raining. It's constantly raining. And I think okay. that's one of, I really think that's one of the reasons I like this game as much as I do. Because I have a real weakness for white noise. And uh, so I like, I'll just sit there and it's kind of a stressful city builder. But I still, because of the rain sounds, I'll just be like, we got this, we're under control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make this work. And and it's like I, I just bought a new smokehouse for making jerky, and, and it's that. And I realized I didn't know who the humans were, and then I and I had to like really start paying attention. And I realized there's a person, there's like a, a, a you know a little sprite of a of a person who they wear. It looks like they have a great big shell on their back, and I figured that was probably a lizard thing or a beaver thing. I don't know. And I got in close. It's humans. The humans, as part of their culture, wear these little straw kind of boats on their back that keep the rain off of them. And it's just this thing that they made whole cloth for this game, and and they never mention it, and it's so neat. I'm fucking sick of it. I can't play this game anymore. <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. I really like it. Casey Explosion ruined my life. Because she was the one who was just like, you got to, this is weird. You got to play this game. And, <laughs> and Casey and I usually play the same kinds of games. So it was like a good, I was like, that's usually a good fit. Let's try this yeah. city builder out. Mm-hmm. And she ruined my life. Yeah. Ruined okay. your life. Oh, ruined my life. Shame. Kevin, what are you playing? Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of uh, I'm still playing Marvel Snap. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, friends of the pod, uh, Harry from video games are bad and Willow from questing refuge and Jesse Garasha and I have like a thread going on in discord (laughs) where we are just talking about what we did in Marvel snap that day. And, and Marvel Snap, it's a card game. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like Hearthstone-y. I'm not saying yeah, it's like Hearthstone, but it's like, yeah. oh, it's, uh, who designed it? Ben Brode? Uh, ben Brode, yeah. The same, oh. same. Oh, same, I didn't know that. That's yep, cool. Same makes designer as Hearthstone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I was addicted to Hearthstone. That's another game I had to quit, quit. Um, yeah. And yeah. so that, that, that was the Minesweeper of Evelyn circa 20... 19 2020 <laughs> I, I was a legend ranked i was very good at hearthstone but I was like, damn all right yeah but yeah i i had to quit because it was taking up too much time yeah i have a yeah. feeling that eventually i'll get there with marvel snap um but it's just so much fun i just i just love the matches the matches are short yeah, there's only six rounds. They're they only take a few minutes, three minutes. Phil, you've been playing Marvel Snap too. I've been playing, and and for me, it really appeals to because the whole reason I started was not because of the game design or anything like that. It was because it's very heavily influenced by the uh, trading cards that you got in the '90s, Marvel trading yeah. cards. Like it has that same feel. That's how you get the collection. And I was obsessed with that. Me too. Uh, 
I, multiple times in my life, I've gotten hammered drunk and gone on eBay and bought entire sets of old cards <laughs> that I had as a child. So and I so I could put them in their sleeves in the notebook and every now and then just go, ooh, Gambit, you look so good. Like that's my <laughs> life now. And then and then I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good non-exploitative uh, cell phone game. And yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it has microtransactions uh, as any other free to play. But in terms of the amount of exploitation oh. that that could be there, uh, it's relatively minor <laughs> compared it to is, a it lot is, of games. It is practically, yeah, compared to the way most of these things, the, compared to the way people expect these kind of games to be, it is basically non-existent. Uh, so yeah, that's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah there's definitely still, uh, MTX in there, but it's, sure. it's so easy to avoid, um, in, in this case, uh, and that's everything cool. that's a, the, the way they do it is like, you can't really buy cards. Like, no, they okay. could have like been like, oh yeah, 99 cents for a card that you really like. And be like, no, yeah. they don't, you can't buy them. You gotta, you gotta kind of luck into the cards. Yeah, uh, with Ken the, and I were talking about this the other day. We're luck. like, I need this card and I need that card, and the only thing we can do is wait. Yeah, you can, can buy. Well, so okay. yeah, the way the way it works is you can buy gold, like any other MTX system. It has two currencies or something. Or no, you can buy credits. You can use the credits. If you have the upgrade boosters for a card, yeah, this basically sounds like you can use action bullshit. Anyways, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> you, you can, if you have the credits, you can upgrade a card, and then if you upgrade the card, you can you might actually go up the collection ranking. That the other the only thing is they don't let you buy credits that often. So if you buy okay. credits, they block you from buying them for like twelve hours. Oh, so it's not good. like you can, you can't just like keep spending. It's like, yeah. well, you, you bought it. You gotta wait. <laughs> there's like, it's crazy. There's, a, there's like an internal cap on the value of spending money within the game. Uh, unlike other games where it would just be like, yeah, you, unlimited buy the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's nice. So. Yeah, uh, I wonder if that's a little bit of like Disney, you know, putting their thumb on the scale, you know, and being like, I wonder. we don't want our thing to be like this microtransaction hell, which will cause controversy for us. We just want you to be thinking about Marvel 24 seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And just it does like, that job very well. Yes, it does. Uh, the cool thing is it's it's very much in the vein of the comic books versus the movies in terms mm-hmm. of the appearance of the characters. Um, so it's, it's, it, it does have that old collector's, uh, collector's card feel to it. Yeah. Um, big time. But that's enough about Marvel Snap. The other thing I'm playing is, uh, blood for bullet time. Men. Uh, blood. Blood. Yeah. Blood. It's, uh, I was really enjoying it and this ep- the episode of bullet time that we're going to talk about it in is i think coming out pff, next year or some point uh- <laughs> those are recorded so far in advance i mean when did we, we yeah you guys top loaded the shit out of that stuff it's great because like i'm in the episode that came out today and we recorded that in like october it's like december 1st yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we 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 really built up <laughs> but yeah we're we're recording um uh this weekend and uh yeah it'll be uh it'll be an interesting conversation i don't think james is too fond of the game um and i was enjoying it but i found that it's kind of worn out it's welcome as the more i've played it (laughs) there's only so much that you can uh really enjoy from uh from the the 90s 90s edgelord uh (laughs) game design school (laughs) (laughs) We could have um, just stopped at 90s. We all know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that'll do it for tonight's episode. Uh, right. Evelyn, thank you so much for you, uh, for, for joining us. My do you pleasure. have anything you want to plug before we, we close it out? Uh, no. Check no. out my channel, I guess. I am Aaron. <laughs> I like I like put my 
my microphone on mute. So I was like, <laughs> just like, let's make sure Evelyn get like all the, all the, yeah. uh, the quiet oh. time she needs to get this, get this ethnic. No, I just, <laughs> I, I, just this silent burst of laughter from Phil on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please go check out. I am Air, Evelyn's channel on YouTube. Subscribe, uh, and watch her, her videos. They're tremendous. They're, they're, they're nice and, they're they're beefy. They really get into the meat of of uh, of the work. So go check it out. The most recent video, as of this recording, is is about Super Mario sixty four, and uh, you know it's 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 good stuff. Uh, for us though, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Pixlet Pod. I know with the caveat pending Twitter's existence. Yeah. Uh, also on Instagram at PixletPod and go to our website, PixletPod.com, where we post every episode with a downloadable transcript for the episode uh, that you can check out. We have links to our Discord and our um, Steam curator page, and I'll probably be putting the link up for our Goodreads page yeah, shortly. Nice. Uh, because we're on that now, you know, a yeah, really, I'm getting, I'm getting reviews out. in there. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I was I'm trying to get the reviews in as fast as I can. And it's requiring a re-examination of some of these books, which I am not thrilled about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, dead here, space I'll, martyr. You up to dead space martyr yet? I, I have. Yes. Uh, dead space. We, the last one I did was Ninja Gaiden. Um, and I wrote, uh, as far as the worlds of power books are concerned, this might be one of the best ones we've read. Does that make it good? Eh. <laughs> and that includes links to the, uh, <laughs> to the episode. Uh, that's, that's what you have to look forward to on the Pixelit Podcast Goodreads page. Oh, so, yes. you know what? Go check it out. Uh, anyway, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Good night.